Thank you for listening to the Park Church Podcast. I hope you enjoy the sermon. Well, whether you're watching this on Pentecost Sunday or at some other time, um, a happy Pentecost. We celebrate, along with the church throughout our world, the gift of God the Holy Spirit on that first Pentecost Sunday. And if you haven't had the chance, I encourage you to read the story of that in the book of Acts as God's Spirit came upon God's people, not just upon a few, but upon all who were assembled in that upper room. And we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit, rightly so, because it's at the very heart uh, and the very essential heart of what it is to know God and to live in fellowship with him. It's been a beautiful weekend once again. We have celebrated here in Britain uh, a springtime which has been marked as a record-breaking springtime. It's been the hottest May, I think, um, since records began, and it's been the driest May since uh, way back in the late part of the 19th century. Or it might be the other way around, but it's been a record-breaking season, and we've enjoyed that. And although it's been very hard for most of us, if not all of us, because of the shutdown here in the UK, we've been able to celebrate and to see spring develop round about us. But of course, sunshine and warmth is great, but we also need water. Last weekend, if you'd passed either here or at the church, you'd have seen me out um, with a jacket on in the rain, putting down um, on the grass the feed and weed that I'd bought some time ago. I'd bought it actually at the beginning of the, the spring season, but I realised from past experience that unless it's put down when there's water about or when there's rain about, then instead of doing what it's meant to do, killing the weeds and feeding the grass, it'll simply burn, simply burn the grass and you'll be left with a lot of patches. So I had to wait till there was a time of rain. Last weekend, it was raining, I went out. And it's amazing how, within that 24-hour period from the Friday and the Saturday, then to the Sunday, just how once that's put down and the rain came upon it, the impact of the feed and weed was obvious. The weeds began to look brown, the, gr- the, gra- the moss um, went brown, went dead, and the grass looked greener. But all because water was available. Of course, water is essential to life. Without water, we can't live. We can all survive, or at least most of us could survive some time without some food, perhaps some of us more than others. Um, But water is essential to life. Without that, we cannot live. And that's why, of course, water is a potent symbol in the Bible of the Holy Spirit. From the book of Genesis and water flowing over the, the Spirit, rather flowing over the waters at the beginning of time, and the Spirit of God hovering over the waters, right to the book of Revelation, where we read that in the new heaven, the new earth, Eden restored, we're told. The angel showed, John tells us, angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and on the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Very much a Trinitarian picture here, as in Genesis, uh, of, of Father, Son and Spirit. Um, the Spirit of God, like the, like the water flowing down, bringing forth life and vibrancy and new beginnings. Jesus, of course, speaks of the Spirit as the water of life, speaking to the woman caught, the woman who had been involved in a number of adulterous relationships, but found at the well, the Samaritan woman, and Jesus speaks of how he will provide a water that will last forever. Um, Not the water from the well, but the water of the Spirit. He speaks later on in John's Gospel of streams of living waters flowing from our lives, 
from those who know God and have God living within them. And so water is a vital picture of the Holy Spirit. Water is essential to physical life, so the Spirit is essential to spiritual life. I'm going to read to you some verses, not actually about water, but about the Spirit. Verses from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. We've looked at 2 Corinthians, we've looked a wee bit of the church story of Corinth um, in the past, in more recent Sundays, and here's some more teaching that God um, has given us by the Apostle concerning the work of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians rather, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and reading from verse 6. 2 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and reading from verse 6. Paul writes, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Amen. And this is the word of the Lord. Water is essential to physical life. The Spirit is essential to spiritual life. It might seem obvious to say that, but it's a vital truth as we celebrate this Pentecost Sunday. Paul tells us here, he's writing to a church that in many ways appeared to be very spiritual. Later on in his letter, in his first letter, he challenges them about the various manifestations of the Spirit amongst them. He speaks, for instance, as someone who, he says, speaks more in tongues than anyone else, and yet challenges how they practice that ministry and that gift within the life of the church. In 2 Corinthians, he challenges them about how they celebrate communion and the very serious consequences of having a wrong understanding of what it is to gather together as the people of God and to meet with God through his word and through the bread and wine of communion. And he challenges them about the wrong understanding of this. They appear to be very spiritual, but in certain very important matters, well, they were far off beam. Sometimes, of course, that's been the story of the church, not just in Corinth, but down through the ages. 
And Paul here in this early part of his first letter is laying down the groundwork of the vital necessity of having a right understanding of what the job of the Holy Spirit is. It's not to make us feel good. It's not to give us particular gifts that are going to impress other people. Above everything else, the gift of the Spirit is so that we might know God and live in intimate relationship with Him. He tells us that. He says His Spirit reveals God's wisdom. That's what he's saying in those, those verses from verse 6, really through the whole chapter, particularly from verse 6 through to verse um, 12. He talks about we, we do not have the wisdom of this world, the wisdom of this age, of the rulers of the age, who are coming to nothing. He says, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before the time began. He talks about this wisdom being revealed to us by his Spirit. Now, the leaders of our government, both in Edinburgh and in London, speak much about the need to rely upon scientific advice and scientific wisdom. After all, however gifted Boris or Nicola may be, they're not scientists and they don't have access to all the resources that scientists have. And so they need to rely upon their advice in order that they, and indeed their advisors, can come to a right understanding of what to do about the crisis. Not just what's happened over the last months, but how we move on in the months that lie ahead. They have to rely upon the advice and guidance and help of others. Well, in a sense, any Christian is no different, except we don't rely upon human wisdom, the wisdom of this age, which we're told actually is ultimately going to come to nothing, perhaps a sobering um, word to give to our leaders and indeed to give to our scientists, but also um, we have to realise that we have to rely upon God's spiritual wisdom, upon the power of God, the insight of God, the knowledge of God, in order that we might have the mind of Christ. Unless we rely upon the Spirit of God, unless we're open to the Spirit of God, bringing to us the wisdom of God, then spiritually we'll be in darkness. We'll be like the Pharisees, the religious leaders that Jesus rebuked, who claimed to know God and yet were the blind leading the blind. The things of God will be foolishness to us. Indeed, Paul says that in verse 14, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are deceived only through the Spirit. Jesus speaks of how the Spirit will take from Jesus and make him known to us. And so anybody who claims to be a Christian needs to know and to be open to the Spirit of God working within them. Indeed, later on, Paul tells us in chapter 14 of this letter that no one can say Jesus is Lord unless the Spirit of God is within them. What does that mean in practice? Well, frankly, it means that we may even sit in church, we may even listen to something like this, but it will be, at best, foolishness, at best, something that hangs about in the air, a bit like maybe perhaps some of the scientific advice that is going about at the present time. It's out there, it's, 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 it's removed from us and is beyond our comprehension, beyond our ken. Whereas someone who has the Spirit of God within us will know that what they hear and what they see, what they sense, is something divine, something that's been given to them so that they might grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. This Holy Spirit is vital because his ministry is to reveal to us the wisdom of God. And he does that because Paul very helpfully uses the illustration of personal people. He says that the second part of verse 10, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. 
And what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. He's making the point. Ultimately, only we ourselves know what goes on inside our own hearts and minds. The spirit within us knows our deepest thoughts. So the spirit of God, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, living in perfect harmony and fellowship with the triune God, his ministry is to make that God known to us mere mortals. The one who is immortal, the one who is invisible, the one who is beyond comprehension, who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. Paul here quotes from Isaiah chapter 40, the mystery of the divine becomes known to us as the Spirit of God reveals it, and like light shining in the darkness as it enlightens our hearts and minds, so he fills us with the knowledge of God revealed in Jesus Christ. That is a mystery. That is supernatural, and that is all dependent on the work and person of the Holy Spirit, making God known to us, the God who has revealed himself in Jesus, the Jesus who said he would go and ask the Father, and the Father would send the Holy Spirit, who would come and bring us into our knowledge of himself. So the Spirit is essential. Water is essential to life. The Spirit is essential to spiritual life. And Paul goes on to tell us that the Holy Spirit gives us a new language. Verse 13, this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Now, as I said earlier, one of the big issues in the church in Corinth was the gift of tongues. And I'm aware that for perhaps many of us listening to this, that remains a bit of a mystery. We have had in the past, and perhaps we still do have within our congregation, people who would exercise that ministry privately or in certain contexts publicly, not publicly within our own church fellowship here in part, but in other contexts. And those gifts, that gift of the Spirit, is a gift of the Spirit, and I wouldn't want this morning to grieve the Spirit by decrying it. But what Paul is talking about here is not that one and indeed, in my understanding of what Paul's saying in 1 Corinthians, a relatively insignificant gift, what he is saying is that language, words, imbued with the Spirit of God, become far more than just the English language or whatever language you're speaking in. Now, of course, words are very powerful, aren't they? People can stir crowds with words. They can stir crowds very positively, or they can stir crowds very negatively. We've seen over the past century people who used words in very bad ways, but words that were used to stir up people. We're living in a present time where our political leaders are very conscious about the power of words and of phrases and of, of slogans that can communicate a message. And we listen to what this person or that person says in order to, to take on board not just the, not just the word, the, the English word, but the meaning, the significance behind it. Stay at home isn't just about staying in the house. It had the message of you have to stay at home, you have to isolate because it's vital for our nation's well-being. You know what I'm saying. Well, Paul here is saying that spiritual language, English words, or as I say, whatever language we may use, but English words, but words which have a deeper, potent, powerful significance. God's words are powerful, aren't they? Um, Paul here refers very much in his drawing, and if you know, in your own time you can perhaps look at the references or think yourself, drawing a lot from the book of the prophet Isaiah. He's already referred to Isaiah 40, and he refers here to the power of God's word. Let me read to you something that speaks about the significance of God's word and of how it has a, a, a fruit-bearing, life-changing impact. 
Let me read you. I'll read you the bigger section of Isaiah 55. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their, righteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire, and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And he goes on to say, You shall therefore go out in joy and be led forth in peace. Again, the picture of water bringing forth a harvest. And that prophet is saying, God's word is like that. It's powerful. It's potent. It goes forth and it has a purpose. The purpose is to change lives, to bring people into intimate knowledge of God and to fill them with that knowledge of God, the mind of Christ. That's what we need to pray for in our evangelism. Whatever we may say, whatever we may do, that it will be filled with the fragrance of the knowledge of God revealed in Jesus Christ. It had spiritual potency. It would be like the water that fell on the grass last weekend and took the feed and weed and enabled it to do the job it's meant to do. The Spirit of God would take the words that we use, the Word of God supremely, the Bible, Bible stories, things like this, and would impact it upon our lives as the seed of God's Word is planted in our lives so the Spirit of God waters it and brings forth a harvest. We should therefore expect a reaction. We should therefore look for a harvest. And Jesus tells us that actually if we don't see a reaction and we're not, we don't see a harvest, we're to shake the dust off our feet and to move on. In that sense, we're not to waste our time. We're to be spiritually focused. We're to be looking for an impact. We're to see lives changed. We all are to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. That spiritual reality taught with spirit words are to bring forth a spiritual harvest. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by the spirit, by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritualities with Spirit-taught words. The Spirit reveals God's wisdom, makes the knowledge of God possible. The Spirit gives us a new language, or rather it inhabits, inhabits our own language, our English language, with spiritual authority and power and potency. And lastly, the Spirit gives us discernment. Now, that's just from these verses. The Spirit does far more than that. But these verses remind us the Spirit gives us discernment. Verse 15, the Spirit with the, the person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. What's he saying there? Well, of course, he's not talking about us judging others. Jesus makes that very clear. We're not to be pointing the finger, or else we'll find the finger pointing to ourselves. He's not talking about that. He's talking about the judgments of God, God's purposes, God's dealings. And he's talking here about Christians, and especially probably those who are in positions of leadership, who have authority, who have, who have a responsibility within the wider church and within our world, he's talking there about Christians having that spiritual discernment. You know, my friends, that is vital at this present time. Many of us, ministers in the church, and I'm not talking here about our own congregation, and I'm not talking here even primarily the United Free Church, I'm talking about ministers of the church 
have certainly felt that over these past months, as indeed over these past years, we have been let down by the leaders of the church. They have not spoken with about spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. And in this present crisis, they have been largely silent, apart from saying things that any decent human being would say, nice things and appropriate things, but, but not, not anything different from somebody who doesn't have the Holy Spirit would say. So we've got to be a good neighbor, or we've got to be thoughtful of others, all the rest of it. There's nothing wrong with that. But they have not brought forth spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. They have not brought any discernment as to what God is saying through this present crisis, not just to our own country, but to the Western world, or indeed to the world in general. I certainly know that some feel very much that they've been let down by spiritual leaders. The church has been let down by them, and our nation has been badly served by them. That should not be the case. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. God, godly believers are meant to have that divine wisdom that helps them to discern through all the noise and the clatter of the present time. I'm sure we all feel a need of that. I know many of us have probably switched off listening to the television or the radio or to what we see on our computers, the, 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 the Twitter comments or whatever. There's, there's so much clatter, so much information, so much disinformation, so much good news, so much bad news, so much fake news. We need to pray for our leaders, our human leaders, our government, for wisdom in the midst of all of that. But we also need to pray for Christian leaders that they would have that spiritual discernment to be able to discern through all that noise and clatter what God is saying and where he's leading. We were looking at the fellowship groups this week at guidance. And one of the themes that came up was God making, a, making straight paths in, in the midst of life. And we were reflective, because that doesn't always mean that it means it just suddenly opens up and everything's very clear. But what it does mean is that through all the ebb and flow and the ups and downs of life and living, God does lead his people on in his purposes. The Holy Spirit's job is to enable us to do that. We need that in our own lives, in our own circumstances, but we need to pray for leaders of the church that they would be men and women who would make judgments about all things as the Spirit of God inhabits them and enables them and equips them. It may be that from our reflections this morning, you've, you've been stirred and you're thinking about that. What does all that mean? And perhaps, you know, you're wanting to ask questions. Please, if you know me, if you're part of our own church fellowship, then phone me. I'm more than happy to talk through more of what we've been thinking about. And if you're not part of the church family, then you can contact us on the church website. In these vital days, in these vital days, how we thank God for the gift of the Holy Spirit, the one who comes to bring to us the knowledge of the light of the world, the one who comes with the water of heaven to nourish our souls and to replenish our spirits. As water is essential to life, so the Spirit of God is essential to the Christian life. He brings the knowledge of God and imparts it into our souls. He is the one who inhabits the words that we read from the Bible, the words that we hear from talks like this, and gives it power and potency to bring forth a harvest. And he is the one who brings us the gift of discernment, so that in these critical days we might have the mind of Christ. 
how we thank God this Pentecost Sunday for the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is not an exhaustive explanation of his ministry, far from it, but from this part of his word, we thank God for what he does and we open our lives afresh that the light of life, that the streams of living waters would fill our hearts and fill our fellowship as we seek to move on in his purposes for us into the future that God has for all his people. Let's pray together. God, our Father, as we gather, at least for many of us on this Pentecost Sunday, we give you thanks for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Oh God, Father, Son, and Spirit, you live in perfect fellowship and harmony. The Spirit of God knows the Father. And the Spirit of God's task is to take the Son, Jesus Christ, and make him known to us. For the mystery of that relationship that exists within you, O oh God, and for the impact that has on our lives and in the life of your people down through the ages, we give you thanks. We thank you that the Spirit of God is offered to all those who seek the Lord while he may be found. And I do pray this morning for those who might be listening to this and maybe actually think that what we've been talking about is just foolishness. And we do pray that by the Holy Spirit you would stir hearts, you would open eyes, and you would draw people to a knowledge of Jesus Christ, the one who is the light of life, the one who is the Word eternal. And we do pray, O oh God our Father, that we might grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus, as by the Holy Spirit we know more, we, we, we grow more in our discernment of the things of God. We pray that for the leaders of your church in these vital days, that they might be men and women who are not just good moral people, but men and women who are inhabited with the Spirit of God and who have that prophetic and discerning ministry in order to bring a word from you to your church and a word from you to our nation and to the peoples of our world. That's a big prayer, but Lord, we pray for it as we pray for ourselves that by the bind, by the bonds of the Spirit as we are brought together in fellowship this morning or at other times, we would know anew the streams of living waters replenishing our souls, bringing forth a harvest, reviving our love for you, O God. And all of that we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Park Church Podcast. I hope you enjoy the sermon.